there, and welcome to episode 37 of the Great Americans podcast series, a show where we evaluate the presidents of the United States by examining their successes and failures, strengths and shortcomings, in order to determine who deserves to be considered as one of America's finest leaders and who belongs among the worst. I'm your host, Teresa Kozak. Thank you for joining us. Our subject for today is Richard Milhouse Nixon, a man with high ambitions and even loftier ideals who ultimately fell from his pedestal to become remembered despite his objections to the contrary as a crook by the American public and the world. Due to his involvement in the Watergate scandal, Richard Nixon is widely considered to have been an untrustworthy and unpopular president who severely damaged the American public's faith in political officials, and in particular, the office of the presidency. But what happens when you examine Nixon outside Watergate? So often, a historical figure is defined by one single event, but this provides a very narrow and often inaccurate portrayal of who they were. Well, this podcast is not by any means a fully encompassing evaluation of Richard Nixon. It's intended to provide a more expansive look at his person, without the distortion provided by Watergate. Through looking at Nixon's early political career, how he managed his campaign, his path to the presidency, internal beliefs and values, his relationships and interactions with others, and overall, just who Richard Milhouse Nixon was as a person, provides the conclusion that his lack of domestic initiative, his paranoid personality, as well as his harsh and hypocritical leadership among many other faults, makes him one of the worst presidents in American history. Moving into a discussion of the shortcoming mentioned first, a lack of domestic initiative, the famous Nixon-Kennedy debate of 1960 does an excellent job of revealing what it is Nixon considers to be American success and societal progression. I think we find that America has been moving ahead. Let's take schools. We have built more schools in these last seven and a half years than we built in the previous seven and a half, for that matter, in the previous 20 years. Let's take hydroelectric power. We have developed more hydroelectric power in these seven and a half years than was developed in any previous administration in history. Let us take hospitals. We find that more have been built in this administration than in the previous administration. The same is true of highways. Clearly, it's seen from this clip that Nixon associates progress in America with the mere production of products and development of infrastructure, rather than the actual progression and betterment of the American way of life and the happiness of the American people. He completely neglects to include the more human element of progress and fails to address any sort of social issue because, in his mind, Domestic improvements include more schools built, more highways built. Of course, there's going to be more schools, highways, hospitals in the past seven years rather than the previous ones due simply to an increase in industrial capability that naturally improves over time. Because in his mind, Nixon associated domestic improvement with an increase in industrial growth and low unemployment, he saw no real problem with the societal state of America at the time, 
and did not treat the disrespect, inequality, or limited opportunities of the underprivileged as a serious problem in an era that has become historically notorious for its domestic upheaval and strife, the 1960s, Nixon failed to address many of these issues. Rather than focusing on an innovative and effective solution, Nixon took to adapting policies and programs of the presidents before him, such as Eisenhower's strong diplomatic stance against the Soviet Union and Johnson's Civil Rights Act. While these programs were effective in their time, Nixon really, instead of trying to find the best solution, simply sought to tailor the ones that had come before. He had a severe lack of initiative concerning domestic issues in the United States. Not only that, but he also underwent actions to discredit, defund, and make ineffective those programs that were already in existence to help minorities, as revealed through his introduction of the 1969 Family Assistance Program. This has been bitterly resented by the man who works and rightly so. The rewards are just the opposite of what they should be. Its effect is to draw people off payrolls and onto welfare rolls, just the opposite of what government should be doing. To put it bluntly and simply, any system which makes it more profitable for a man not to work than to work, or which encourages a man to desert his family, rather than to stay with his family, is wrong and indefensible. Here in this speech, Nixon is criticizing welfare, and although welfare was not perfect, it was providing many people with a much better quality of life than a meager wage income that was unlikely to suitably sustain their family. Here, Nixon can once again be seen valuing the perception of justice and defense of the silent majority above the everyday well-being of underprivileged Americans. The second shortcoming discussed, paranoid personality, was very evident throughout Nixon's entire presidential career. He would record conversations even between himself and people he claimed to trust. Uh, Only about three people, including personal secretary, White House chief of staff, and secretary of state, had approved in-person access to the Oval Office. Not even his wife maintained that privilege. And it's very contrary to the sort of welcoming open-door policy, especially that one sees here, even with USAFA leaders. One of the more notable examples of Nixon's paranoid personality can be seen in the Checker speech in 1952. Now, let me say this. I know that this is not the last of the smears. In spite of my explanation tonight, other smears will be made. Others have been made in the past. And the purpose of the smears, I know, is this, to silence me, to make me let up. Well, they just don't know who they're dealing with. Nixon's paranoia is clearly evident in this speech, as he expects people to continue attacking him throughout the rest of his political career, simply because of this one misunderstanding. This all takes place even before the distrust and disillusionment of politicians had become commonplace. Nixon has no real proof or strong evidence of malicious intent against him. He paints himself as a victim to the public, even though there were honest questions that truly did need answering. This is proved by the fact that he wouldn't have made this broadcast in the first place 
if the situation didn't need explaining. The final shortcoming that's going to be addressed in this episode is Nixon's harsh and hypocritical leadership style. He was well known, especially during phone conversations, to relay conflicting information to various people, deceitfully go behind their back, slander, accuse, spread rumors. In a particular instance of hypocrisy, Nixon made a statement in the Checker speech that is well worth investigation. I have a theory too, that the best and only answer to a smear or to an honest misunderstanding of the facts is to tell the truth. There is a great deal of irony associated with his claim to honesty, as Nixon would become notorious for being one of the most deceptive presidents. You see here the beginnings of his emphasis on the difference between legality and morality. He claims actions should be weighted more by their perceived morality instead of how closely they actually abide by legal regulations. This relates to his famous quote, well, when the president does it, that means it's not illegal. Nixon went against his political platform of law and order during the 1968 election. America at that time was torn with domestic strife as riots, protests, assassinations, and other attacks mainly involving the Vietnam War, civil rights movement, and the sexual revolution took place. Nixon won the confidence of the American people by claiming to bring law and order to the country. However, he himself failed to abide by these standards as he sought out political loopholes, which would allow him to circumvent the law. In the Checker speech, he discussed the specific amount he had created for money he claimed he did not spend on himself However, he did admit to having used it in his personal campaign efforts. Another example of Nixon's hypocrisy can be seen in his 1974 resignation speech, where he expresses hope for and emphasizes the importance of equality for underprivileged Americans, which he never actually did much to further during his presidency. Nixon was by no means considered a champion for the underprivileged, although his presidential administration and others that he was a part of made great strides for equality through passing the Civil Rights Act, desegregating schools, desegregating the military. Nixon himself made it clear that his allegiance lay with the silent majority of white middle-class Americans. Upon viewing one of his campaign ads, which condemned domestic violence, Nixon stated that it's all those damn Negro Puerto Rican groups out there. Through statements like these, he conveyed that minority groups were dangerous and untrustworthy, which prevented true racial equality from taking place in American society. Behind closed doors, he used racist, anti-Semitic, and other disparaging terms against African Americans and Jewish people. So although Nixon claimed to have a hope for true equality, for true acceptance of all groups, his actions did little 
to align with those statements. When considering who an American president ought to be, there are certain characteristics that make them undeniably successful. For instance, when one considers the ideal American president, they think of someone who is dedicated to improving the everyday lives and well-being of the American citizen. They consider someone who is calm, cool, collected, and confident, especially in the most stressful and dire circumstances. Finally, the ideal president is someone who is honest, faithful, and true to their word, who stands by their beliefs and manifestations, even though it may cost them great personal trials. And Richard Nixon is none of these characteristics. He contradicts everything through his paranoia, through his lack of initiative, through his hypocrisy. He instead presents himself as someone who is detrimental to American society. And while those are by no means the only limitations and setbacks he had in his character, it is truly some of the most compelling reasons to label him as one of America's worst presidents. In conclusion, Richard Nixon is not the worst president that our nation has ever had. His environmental programs, his relationship with China, were all aspects that truly did benefit America as a country. And there are far worse leaders that could qualify for the title of worst president in American history. Nixon left some remarkable footprints and some great lessons to be learned for our country. But overall, his leadership, it, it truly was toxic. It truly did hinder and limit American progress and greatness. And for that reason, he deserves to be classified as one of the worst presidents in American history. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.